Well, so good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in uh, Oklahoma with a raspy voice. So today is Tuesday, or Thursday, I don't know what day it is, September 26th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 56, fifth paragraph. Thus was our friend's cornerstone. And we're reading through two paragraphs today, ending with, to his maker, then he knew. And we'll be commenting on both paragraphs. Today, 12 Steps by Marge E., 12 Traditions, Madeline R., readers of the text, Allison L., Lauren N., Anita L., our newcomer greeter is Elena A.M., and our host, Nadia B. So the reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, September 25th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 13438, 13438, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 13444. One three four four four. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. End quote. At a vision for you, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive eating or overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now have Marge E. read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, Marge E. from Massachusetts. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for your service, Anita, and I pass. Well, it's Kelly, but thanks, March. Oh, Kelly, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. 
Um, so now I'll have Madeline R. read our 12 traditions. Good morning, Madeline. Good morning. Uh, the 12, Madeline R. calling from Pennsylvania, recovered. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous, excuse me, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought ever, never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on a protraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Madeline. So here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. We also ask you not to use speaker phones. It creates echoes. So today we're resuming our study of the big book. We're on page 56 and we agnostics, fifth paragraph. It says, thus was our friend's cornerstone. We're going to be reading through two paragraphs today, ending with to his maker, then he knew, commenting on both paragraphs. So... Allison L. will begin our reading. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. Thank you. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. No later vicissitude has shaken us. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. Save for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. And at such times, a great revulsion has risen up in him. Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. What is this but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. 
circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker, then he knew. And this is Allison L., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Um, this morning, I'm really drawn to this word, vicissitude, um, which means hardship, change, or variation in life circumstances. And uh, I need sanity through God's power to be able to see clearly uh, that I don't have power over people's health, other people's actions, and how they affect me. Um, I don't have any power over my kids' capabilities, the school system responding to them, how I want. I mean, these are all the variations that are happening in my life currently, um, variations that bring big emotions to the surface. And I need to go to my cornerstone that was fixed in place. Um, I need it firmly in place. And so what is it? How do I get it? Um, it's, it's God for me in its simplest form and access conscious contact to, to that God power through the 12 steps of daily practice. And then that clears my spiritual channel to that power so I can be in contact with it. Um, this restores my sanity so I can show up for life um, day by day in any circumstances. That's what it's about. Um, this this didn't happen for me in step two. So it's not like I worked step two. Okay, now my cornerstone's in place. It didn't get cemented in one night for me like it did for, for Fitzmayo that we're reading about in this story. Um, mine took place, um, took its place a little slower over time as I worked the steps and entire abstinence, you know, day by day. Um, and then, you know, realizing as I kept working that it's, it's there, it's gonna hold me that I can rely upon um, this power in any, any given day, any certain circumstances, and it, I have access to God. It keeps me sane during, you know, happy, joyous days, family vacations, um, and then the mundane days, housework, homework, um, breaking up fights between my boys. Um, and, and then it also holds me when people I love die or things don't go the way I want um, or someone steals from me. Um, I don't have to seek ease and comfort. Um, any, anywhere outside of God anymore. And it's the same simple steps um, now that I worked, you know, that I've been working every day that restored my sanity, that keep restoring my sanity. It's, it's that simple. It's just not easy. I work hard every day to maintain this conscious contact um, with God. And, and then that allows me to, to show up and keep living day by day um, for all of life's gifts and challenges. So I keep seeking God and God keeps showing up for me with that needed power as I ask, um, keeps me in fit spiritual condition so I can continue to be helpful and useful to others. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much, Allison L. <clears throat> okay. So if you have not shared in the last couple days, let's give somebody else an opportunity and would like to share on this paragraph that Allison read on, or two paragraphs. Give me your first name and first initial of your last. Nancy T. Nancy G. Reva P. Teresa. Kim G. Kim G. I got you. Reva. Teresa P. Barbara. Who is it? Wait, Teresa. Teresa. Sorry, Teresa. Okay, Teresa P. Sandy S. Was there a Barbara? Barbara B. Is that D as in dog or B as in boy? B as in boy. Gotcha. Lisa J.R.? All right, let's stop there. I got 
Okay. So here's my lineup. Nancy T, Kim G, Reva P, Teresa P, Barbara B, Sandy S, Lisa J R. If all of you guys will make sure you're uh, muted by pressing star one, we'll get started with Nancy T followed by Kim G. Good morning, Nancy. Nancy, are you there? Star one. Sorry about that. I got muted again somehow. Okay. Okay. I can't. All right. Um, thank you for your service, Kelly. This is another of my one of many favorite paragraphs in the big book. It, um, it fits Mayo's experience here um, that this miracle that his alcoholic problem was taken away um, directly correlates with the promises that were promised after we worked step 10, you know, that we've been restored to sanity and we wouldn't drink even if we wanted to. And that has been my experience. Um, and I, it is a miracle. I can tell you I'm one of those that has been around the block so many times, relapse after relapse after relapse. And um, right at the moment I was ready to give up, I, it came to me that I had never done exactly what I hear all of you talk about on the phone, and that is to work the steps exactly as they're outlined in the uh, big book and that I would get the results. And I couldn't say that I had done that. Namely, what I would do is, one through nine, and then I would drop the ball and get complacent. And, of course, I didn't do the maintenance steps, those things that keep me spiritually fit. Um, and so uh, this time around, I even had to acknowledge that I can't just get spiritually connected and stay there. I have to grow spiritually. Um, I have to be growing. And if I'm not, if I start to get stagnant spiritually, I need to um, do something to change it up. And with that, if I do that, my, I don't have food thoughts anymore. I don't, and I like how it says here, if um, at, such t at such times which the thought would come, a great revulsion, because I'll see something in the store sometimes and go, ooh, that looks good. And immediately I almost shudder. You know, I almost physically shudder because I just thought, oh, God, no. I don't, and here's the thing, I don't want it anymore. I, I'm not just abstaining. I'm not just white-knuckling it. I don't want it. You couldn't force me to eat those foods that create the allergy and the mental obsession for me because I don't want them. I don't eat because I don't want to eat, and that is the miracle of it. I love that the word miracle is in here because there's no other word for it. God did for me what I could never have done for myself. I tried for years. I just failed every single time. But God came through when I sought him out and asked him for his help. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass Thank you so much, Nancy T. Next up, Kim G., followed by Reva P. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Callie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. from South Jersey. And, you know, I've been in L.A. since 1994 and I've uh, been recovered since 2011. So that sentence that Nancy T. mentioned is the one that always hits my heart. It says, faith for free few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never, never returned. You know, I have to tell you, that first decade and a half that I was in OA, you know, a good year in OA was if I was abstinent more than I wasn't abstinent. You know, I, I thought that OA was going to teach me to be strong enough to resist the food. But if I could stay busy enough, I could go to bed exhausted but abstinent. You know, I think of the sayings that I heard in the rooms that, that I internalized, that abstinence is the most important thing in today without exception, which meant the food was always the focus, that nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels, which 
in my experience, abstinence only sucks. You know, I, I did have six years of back-to-back abstinence at one point, but every day the way I stayed abstinent was by saying, tomorrow I can have a bagel, tomorrow I can have a bagel, just not today, white-knuckled, suffering one day at a time abstinence. You know, I took a lot of sayings I heard in the rooms, and that was my defenses. I had to avoid my triggers. I had to avoid people, places, and things. The anger that I would throw at waitresses because they wouldn't do my food my way because I was so fearful. You know, something bad happened, and I would call an away person. The first question was, how's your food? How's your food? You know, the anxiety at weddings, work holidays, the panic, the food dreams. You know, the fact was, I didn't, in a way, I found some relief. But I didn't find freedom. And that's why I love how Nancy T brought up those, those 10-step promises. Why don't we read them more? You know, my feeling is, I don't know, do we as an OA fellowship, do we believe that can be true for us? You know, they're true for me today. You know, I cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Like, alcohol, food is an afterthought now. You know, I'm not fighting it. Neither am I avoiding temptation, which means I can go anywhere on this earth and be okay. I'm in a place of neutrality. I am not cocky and I am not afraid. You know, when a big event happens today, when I call an OA person, they don't ask me how my food is. They say, how's your 10 and 11? Who are you working with? You know, in my office recently, when, when people were, uh, whatever, they said to put the cookies near Kim because we know they'll be safe near her. What a miracle that is because I have that neutrality. Don't settle for white-knuckled abstinence. Because I can assure you today, right now at this moment, I know to the core of my being that I am a compulsive overeater. But I also want to assure you, for the last over eight and a half years, I have not suffered from compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. So next up, Reva P., followed by Teresa P. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. What really struck me in these paragraphs is the cornerstone was fixed in place. And what was his cornerstone? It wasn't like the right sponsor, the right meeting, the right diet. It was a really simple need for a power and a really simple willingness to believe that that power can relieve me of my bondage of self. That's all. That's like the spearhead to then begin the work. And um, I love this business of the vicissitudes that I didn't know what it meant until somebody defined it. But knowing that it means, you know, change in my circumstances, usually unpleasant and hardships, like I, that is the, that is like the most miraculous thing. Because before I came into program, I thought I have to get the food in control and in order, and I have to get people, places, things all under control. And if only everything would be just so, then I wouldn't have to eat. And that was like the biggest lie. So this is telling me that there can be hardships, there can be challenges, and it doesn't mean I pick up. And I can be uncomfortable. And the promise is that even if I'm uncomfortable, I don't feel the need to go to the food. So these brief temptations and these desires for whatever, they're brief. Because just like has been shared, the step 10 promises promise me that I might get that first thought. But then I get the second thought that says, really? Are you kidding? No, I don't really even need to do that. Um, And it's not just the food. It's sending the quick angry email saying 
whatever that I know I'm going to have to make an amends for. Like I might get brief moments where I'm tempted to do something and then it's like, no, maybe not. Um, and I'm not efforting this. It's saying it, it was taken away. He didn't try harder. He didn't use willpower. It was just taken. And that's the miracle of doing the work. It happens to me as a result of the work. And the last thing I wanted to share was he offered himself to his maker, huh, as opposed to giving God my um, Santa Claus list. Can you please do this, this, and this? And then maybe I'll do some work for you and do service. It's, you know, I offer myself, which is um, reminding me of the third step prayer. Like, I'm here. Use me. What do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? How can I be helpful? And that is 180 degrees opposite of how I was um, talking to God before this program. And it is a miracle. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Reva P. Let's see. Next up, Teresa P. Followed by Barbara B. Good morning, Teresa. Hi, this I'm Teresa P. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I really appreciate this opportunity to share. Um, I have been in OA since '95, and we've been blessed with a lot of abstinence and freedom from the obsession, but never like I've experienced in the last couple of years since uh, uh, joining um, a Vision for You and actually hearing about the. Um, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and then experiencing that actual re, you know, repulsion from the food. And it was just like, it's so miracle. It's just like, what excites me so much is the, the, the big book tells me exactly what to do and exactly what's going to happen. And it does. And uh, I have a, a number of food um, allergies and that's fine, which is amazing. And then my, for me to begin with is because before it's like, well, I, how am I going to, you know, make it five minutes without sugar or yeah, I can do that. I can white knuckle it for a while, but it'll always come back and get me. And today it's like, no, I don't even think of it. And, but it's another thing that came up was like with the fat. And I used to be like, you know, you know, uh, split with my husband, you know, you eat the meat and I'll eat the fat, you know? And I was just like, oh, I was addicted to it. And now I cut it away and I just, it's like, ooh, who wants that? That's just like awful. And, you know, that's a miracle because I'm a compulsive overeater. I eat until, you know, until it's all gone. It doesn't matter what the price, you know, I don't want to pay the price, but I can't not do it because that's what I am as a compulsive overeater. I have that allergy. Once that gets started, I can't stop. And today, I'm not white-knuckling it at all. It is strictly a gift from God. And what I, what I, my part to do is I've worked all the steps, and I, and I have a number of times, but I worked all the steps as they're written with a recovered sponsor, and I daily do 10, 11, and 12. And even when I don't want to, because sometimes I'm just tired, and I just get to go, yeah, but this is, this is my medicine. This is what I get to do, and what do I get in return? I get a life beyond my wildest dreams and freedom from that food obsession. And I get to be restored to sanity. And one last little thing I got to, to do um, yesterday, my husband and I were going out to do something, and uh, we, had, we have a time 
uh, line that we do it so we don't get excited about when we got to leave. We just say, we're going to leave at this time. And, you know, that way, you know, I don't have to tell him what to do and I don't have to worry about what he's doing. And, uh, well, the timeline didn't work out for a particular reason. And suddenly it popped into my head. Oh, I'm on God's time. I thought, wow, how cool. And after that, it didn't matter. It didn't matter when we got any uh, to the place or if we even got there. Because time, now please. I'm on God's time. And thank you for letting me share and have a great day. Thank you so much, Teresa. Next up, Barbara B. followed by Sandy S. Good morning, Barbara. Barbara, star one. Okay, we'll try that again. Thank you. This is Barbara B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. I feel that there's just so much in these two paragraphs. I've been going over and over them because there are so many aspects to it, but I want to look at um, the fact that uh, God had restored his sanity. And that led me to look at the fact that God had to restore my sanity. Circumstances, as it says, brought me to that because nothing, no group, no book, uh, no counselor, no diet, no in, no no effort could restore me to sanity. And wasn't it insane uh, to to eat over every aspect of life that I couldn't deal with? To put the foods back into my body that started the craving again, and on and on and on. Is that not insanity to always go towards that self-destruction and Circumstances, I mean, to be twice the body weight that I am now, to be emotionally retarded, no matter how many degrees I had. I mean, I could do my whole profile of all these, quote, circumstances. But God had to be the one to restore me because nobody else could, I couldn't, and no other human power could. And this is, as it says, the great miracle of healing the great miracle of healing. So as it says, circumstances made me willing to believe and then God took it over and changed me and continues to change me, living in the steps. Thank you. I'm at, uh, oh, I don't give a number. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Barbara B. Next up, Sandy S. followed by Lisa J.R. Good morning, Sandy. Hi, this is Sandy S. Recovered in Asheville and what is the cornerstone for me the cornerstone was a spiritual experience in 1976 March 3rd in which I was struck absent and in that moment definitely it was a matter of there was something actually so much better than food and it was the experience of love and after that I did not want food I wanted the love the self-love loving other people and it's been a long journey of of getting self-love self-will for me was self-destruction god's will for me is self-love it's been a lifetime of slowly i was struck abstinent but i was definitely not struck sane i would have loved to have been struck sane what does sanity look like for me number one it looks like really valuing myself, which is something I never did. And the other thing is 
how to deal with what I call catastrophic fantasy, tremendous fears, I'm not enough. And how do I deal with it? How do I transform? I ask God's help every single day, and I just want to share this. I'm 72. I went back into private practice as a psychologist, which is incredible for me to do at this age. And I am building a business. And all I know is one thing. If God doesn't want me to be building this business, I'm done. I'm done. I do not need this. But if God wants me to build this business, I need to keep reaching out to him. And today is an incredible day. I have four clients, which is something I've never had in my life. And also, I'm going to a psychology class. It's a big day. I cannot do it on my own, but I can do it with God. And each day, I meet the challenge of self-love and overcoming that catastrophic fears, which are not real. I am definitely getting closer to that inner peace and the sanity, which is what I really wanted all along. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Sandy S. Next up is Lisa J.R., and then we'll be opening up for shares. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning, everybody. Lisa J.R. here from Baltimore. Um, I just love Bill, um, and I love his use of metaphor throughout his writing. He sprinkles these metaphors for building um, structures, you know, stuff like the cement that binds us together, the archway, the capstone, the foundation. And I love here where he uses the term cornerstone because, you know, when you're building anything masonry, the cornerstone is the first stone set in place. And all other stones, either by a wall or a a building, um, are set in reference to that stone. And so as we're building, as I've, you know, come to see that God um, is is helping me build a structure in recovery, you know, I have to take a plumb line. I have to make sure that my walls are going up in reference to that cornerstone so that they'll be straight. So I stay in 10, 11, and 12, um, having, you know, gotten through the steps. If I'm not vigorous about that and I cast that plumb line aside for even a day or two, the structure that I'm building, will the walls will get squirrely because I'll be looking at them through my naked eye. And I don't have proper vision. So my um, structure will come down on me. So it's so important for me, you know, to know that that cornerstone is fixed in place. And I am responsible, um, you know, with my higher power for, for doing the work as we're building the structure so that I don't pull it down on me, so that I don't, the walls don't fall down on me. Um, and I think of of the the coming out of the storm cellar, ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing and everything's destroyed. Um, I don't want to go there. So, you know, it's important for me to stay in 10, 11, and 12. And although, you know, um, it took a long time for the revulsion to come, it's here. Um, you know, I can't think of of going back to the way I was living. And, you know, that's why um, I stay, I cleave to these, these steps and this this work and I'm so grateful to be at this meeting. I don't often get to get to the 7 a.m. meeting and glad you're all here. Um, Thanks for letting me share. All right. Thank you, Lisa. JR. 
Okay, so if you're now just joining us or forgot where we're at, we're in the big book, page 56, we Gnostics, fifth paragraph. That's with our friend's cornerstone, reading through mm-hmm. two paragraphs, ending with, to his maker, then he knew. And if you've not shared in the last couple days, uh, who would like to share? First name, first initial of your last. Christina Naomi J. Susan A. I got nothing. Georgia. I got Susan Monica. A. Elise N. And somebody Elise from N. Georgia. I got Elise N. Who was from Christina Georgia? J. Naomi B. I got you, Monica, by the way. Christina J. I got you, Christina. Did Thank you. Margo P. Margo P. Kelly S. from Georgia. Kelly. Naomi B. Okay, got you, Naomi. We're going to stop there. So if everybody can please press star one. Um, Here's where we're at. Susan A. uh, Kristen J. Monica T. Somebody's not muted. Please check your phone by pressing star one. Uh, Alisa in Naomi B, Margot P, and Kelly S. So let's get started with Susan A, followed by Kristen J. Good morning, Susan. Susan A, star one. Hi. Maybe there's a Susan. Susan. Oh, there you are. (laughs) Sorry about that. Susan A, recovered in Pennsylvania. Thank you for your service this morning. Um, I really relate to Fitz's story in many ways, but not all. Um, I was raised in the church, so, but my dad was not the minister, uh, not even close. <laughs> but the seeds of God and faith were planted in me at a young age. But then, as so many of us do, I took a hiatus for about 15 years and began to be attracted to the gods of alcohol and food. Um, But unlike Fitz, I wasn't mad at God and or I didn't believe that he didn't, I didn't believe that he didn't exist. It's just that food and alcohol drew me in. And they, of course, are false gods. Um, Luckily, in my life at that time, I had two uh, women that came to be my Abbies. Um, one was my sister and the other was a dear friend who both of these women had a peace and serenity in their lives that I wanted. Um, and they didn't push their beliefs on me. They just lived their faith. And this drew me to search for God. And it, it took me seven years of searching. And finally, at the end of that period, I did commit my life to my higher power. Um, What led higher power at that point led me to see I was becoming addicted to alcohol. And through a few connections I made, um, my relationship with my higher power, my study of the big book in AA, the drink was lifted. The alcoholism was lifted. The food journey has been longer. Um, Food addiction and recovery um, has been a longer journey and will continue for my lifetime. But thanks to vision and the steps, I've been recovered now for 11 months. 
And I am eternally grateful for this fellowship that has brought me um, out of uh, slipping and sliding for a quarter century and into entire abstinence and recovery and working with sponsors and sponsees and enjoying the fellowship. So thank you, and I will pass. Thank you so much, Susan A. Next up, Kristen J., followed by Monica T. Good morning, Hello, Kristen. Everyone. Good morning. It's Christina J. from the state of Washington. Sorry. Hello? Good Go morning. ahead. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I had physical abstinence on and off for years through many diets and then actually in OA program. Uh, and I had no idea why I wasn't getting this uh, unblocking of the spirit and this uh, life beyond my wildest dreams. I just couldn't figure it out. I thought, well, I'm abstinent. Why aren't I feeling this way? And, you know, I shared before that this, uh, this spiritual experience is, was the missing piece for me. Uh, even though I had a lifetime being close to God and uh, just feeling his presence at times overwhelming, uh, on one, that was happening on one hand. On the other hand, I was completely crazy and nuts, uh, trying to control everything and make my career happen. And um, a lot of things fell into place for me in relationships, but not in my career, which was my driving force in life. Uh, the man recounts how he tumbled out of bed to his knees. This tumbling for me has been a slow process. Um, in April of this year, I finally put down the food for good, and since then, I've been experiencing this overwhelmed, this overwhelming presence of God uh, running through my life. And um, the food has become neutral, which is, I can't explain to you if you're a newcomer and you're still like, how do people get neutral around food? I can't explain to you how that feels. It's absolutely incredible. I recoil from food like a hot flame. It's a complete revulsion in me to think of diving into bags and boxes and um, feeling that horrific uh, full of my blood, oil and fats and feeling gross and then having the brain chemistry get screwed up and shame and guilt. Who wants to live that way? Um, the barriers that I've built up uh, through years are being swept away. I'm standing daily as long as I work the program in the presence of this infinite power and love. If I slip away from it, which I do from, you know, every day I do, uh, all i got to do is stop, pause, say a few prayers, ask God to please come back to me, and as they say, you take one step towards him and he runs to you. Uh, I really feel like I've stepped from the bridge to the shore finally, and I'm living in conscious companionship with my creator, but I have to keep in the work, and 10, 11, and 12, although years ago in program I wasn't working them, now I see the great gift of those steps and of all the steps. So thank you for letting me share, and I feel like God is restoring my sanity day to day. God bless everyone, love to all, and I look forward to the rest of the shares. Thank you so much, Christina J. Uh, next up, Monica T., followed by Alice Elisa N. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So... God had restored his sanity. Back in page 37, we were given the definition of insanity, a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight. I've been insane. I can't think straight when it comes to food. And now God had restored his sanity. So what has God restored? 
he's restored his thinking. He's given him healthy thinking. He now can think like a normal person, not... So, healthy thinking, wow, you know, wow. What is this but a miracle of healing? You know, I've tried for years and years and years to straighten out my thinking, you know, to do the right thing. I couldn't do it. Yet its elements are simple. So what are the elements here? What did it take to be restored? What did it take me to get started here to have this restored? Who? Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. You know, circumstances made him willing to believe. You know, circumstances. Step one, I had to get honest. I was completely powerless over food. I'm powerless over the fact I have an allergy. I'm powerless over the fact that I, my, man, my mind is insane and does not work like a normal person. And willingness to do the work. Willingness to think differently, to try something different. You know, my way hadn't worked. The diets, the exercise, the pills, the therapy, uh, just willing myself, none of this had worked. Was I willing to try something different? These people said, hey, we've got a solution for you, and it's worked for us. And open-mindedness, you know, God, please help me to set aside all my old crazy ideas about everything. And with that, it was like, okay, I'm ready to give this a chance. I'm willing to do this work. And that's what it took, working through the steps. And thank you, God, today, I don't, you know, step 10 promises, food is not an issue. There's no thoughts of maybe somehow, someday I can have something again. It's just not there. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Next up is Elisa N., followed by Naomi B. Good morning, Elisa. Hi, this is Elisa N. Thank you for calling on me. Um, you know, I. this is um, when I, people are saying they're recovered. And unfortunately, I went through the steps with someone in vision, and and I did have a reprieve for 10 months. And it does say if you rest on your spiritual laurels, you know, this disease could come back fast and furious. I believe it's still sitting in the background. And, um, you know, for today and yesterday also, I'm doing the work. And that means, you know, speaking to a sponsor, turning over my food and, what you know, reading, calling. And, you know, but also, you know, believing and that I, you know, that, that God is lifting, you know, the obsession. Right now I'm going through the withdrawal again. There's no question. But even with that, um, it's, it's not nearly as bad as it would be. And it's, I know, and I, I've experienced where it's the obsession has been lifted. And I can sit, you know, I'm going into the Jewish holidays and I'm going to be in people's houses with a lot of food. And I know and have experienced being in those holidays that are hours of sitting with food and look and seeing food and not wanting it and and being satisfied with my own and happy with my own. And that's the place that I need to be in. 
Um, and I shared with my new sponsor today that I stopped working, you know, I stopped, I was intermittently doing step 10 and stopped sponsoring. And those things are so important. Doing that step 12 is so important. I wanted to thank all the people I had asked for outreach calls yesterday after in the eight o'clock meeting. And a lot of people called me. I didn't get a chance to call back, but I, I'm hoping to do it today since I have to make two uh, phone calls to recovered people. I'm looking forward to talking to everybody. And I'm so grateful for this meeting. I'm grateful to have a new time with the sponsor, even though it's 6.45 and I'm getting up early. Um, I stop work at nine at night, getting up early, and I'm getting on this meeting. And I'm grateful for this meeting and for the convention. I'll give a plug for the convention coming up. So thanks for listening. Pat. Thank you so much, Lisa. And next up, Naomi B., followed by Margot P. Hi, Kelly. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, well, it's like it's like twins. You sound the same way as I do. God bless you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Getting over laryngitis in Philadelphia. I looked at the calendar this morning and I saw that it was September 26th. And on January 26th, I got the news that my brother suddenly died after just talking to him on the 23rd of January for his birthday. And it kind of just brought back some nasty memories, hurtful, not nasty, hurtful memories, how um, we had to travel to Kentucky for his funeral. And you know, and as sad and, and brokenhearted as I was, God was right there with me and comforting me. And, you know, it was said earlier today about when we when we crawl or walk to God, he runs toward us. And I have that written in my book, and it's so true. It also brought back the memory of sitting at the luncheon after the funeral with gobs of food all around, and I sat there with a glass of water because... It wasn't my food, and God was there comforting me, and it just, it's just amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. Thank you, God. I've been absent since July 25th of 2011, and 2013, I met a young man that cracked open the big book for me and showed me what it was, and, you know, when I asked him, may I call you when I'm done working the steps, and he looked in my face and said no, and then he followed up with, because you'll be dead. Thanks, Harlan. You know, life doesn't stop. It doesn't stop because we're abstinent. It doesn't stop because, you know, things are going good. It's a continual thing. And I know that with my daily meditation and following the, following the living in steps 10, 11, and 12, I mean, my life has been transformed regardless of what happens, divorce with my daughter or death from my brother. Food is never going to change anything, but God is. And God is there for me, and I'm just so blessed. Kelly, and I hope you feel better, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Naomi P. Okay, next up, Margo P. Good morning, Margo. Good morning, everyone. This is Margo P. Abstinent, I'm compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to hear everyone share experience, strength, and hope. And I continue being here in this line because, you know, I need to get the medicine every day, which I didn't get the medicine in my past. And the big book, you know, step two 
is restore my sanity. And I couldn't believe when I read that again and again, it's like it didn't hit me years ago. But, you know, it, it, it sinks in a data time for me. And so when I'm in a situation in with food or in a place where I'm invited or at work or as I drive through, you know, I just go buy it and say recoil because, you know, that was my, my, my ideal plant at the past that I drive through. I pick it up and I don't want to cook it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do the work. And here in my program, I have to do the work. It is, it is a simple program, like you say, but it's a disciplined program. You know, my higher power has been working in my life all the time. I didn't know he was there, but now I know today that he is there for me today. And I'm having a peaceful, loving day, you know, with my sponsor, with a sponsee. I am so grateful that I'm doing the footwork that I need to do. And I, and I am blessed. You know, I can't believe that in my past I will wait like a month or two to get a job. And God bless me within two weeks to get a job. He said, don't worry, I take care of you. And I was doubting that. And he provided me, he provided me what my needs are. Not what my wants are, but he provided me. And I am so grateful, and um, I still am absent with my sponsor. I commit my food. And, you know, the obsession and the allergy of the mind is like, ooh, it's gone. But there are days, you know, because I'm not saying I am perfect. There are days it walks through my mind and say, no, you get away from that. Walk away, you know, like somebody's running to kill you. I walk away. I run. And so I am grateful. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I'll pass. All right, thanks, Margo P. Next up, Kelly S. Kelly S., press star one. Hi, this is Kelly S. from Georgia. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Um, this is a, a great paragraph in the book. And, you know, when I first read it years ago, it said, you know, that his alcoholic problem was taken away that very night. And I remember the the night with my food where I had two birthday cakes in the house because I have twins. And I can't say at that very moment that it was taken away. What what happened for me was I just couldn't do that anymore. You know, and, and I needed help. You know, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I asked God if he would help me. And the return to sanity was, took some time. Um, you know, I, it really, I, I couldn't, you know, it, the, the recipe would say or the, the food plan would say a cup and a half. And for some reason, I, I would just measure three. So I just could not for the life of me, um, I, I just was that insane around the food, you know, in terms of, you know, being able to be around it. And, and you know, just because I just, had become so insane about how I ate. And over time, you know, continuing to pray and to work the steps and really in step one, like how powerless I was and sorting through that, I can say today, four or five years later, you know, I don't even think about that. You know, it doesn't occur to me. You know, I make sure it's just habit now where if I go to a party, I've got my own food. You know, and, and it, I can't, you know, recoiling for me is food is not the answer. I mean, to go, you know, if I've got a phone call that created a problem, it would be like, oh, Lord, I'm going to eat for days. 
I, I don't think like that. I think about, okay, what's the solution and who am I going to call or how, you know, sitting down and just praying and writing about it and waiting for that intuitive thought. So, you know, this, I wish really that I had just woken up one day and it was all gone, but it was a process for me. And what that gift of that process was the steps of returning me to sanity. You know, Harlan said one time that if I'm not careful, a portion ends up being a half of a chicken. I mean, I just believe that was the portion. I just could not be sane around the food. And, you know, the the journey that I took, I, I'm sane. You know, I can, I can, I can be around people. I, and, and to me, my eating is normal and I am really indifferent to what other people do. I'm not obsessed by it either way. Um, so that's what I have today. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you so much, Kelly S. So I have time for one more share. If you haven't shared in the last couple of days, we'd love to hear from you. Carmela G. Go ahead, Carmela, you're up. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Thanks to everyone on the line. This is Carmela G., a grateful compulsive eater from Recovered for Today from New York. This, the last two days' readings have just brought me into a situation of such gratitude. Um, I've spoken to several people on the phone these past few days that have gone into relapse and are starting anew. And I thought, wow, God, this is a gift you're giving me because it's keeping me fresh, because I am taking each day and able to live each day without the desire to shove everything in my mouth and be calm, because that is what I did when I was a compulsive overeater. It wasn't the joy of being around or celebrating birthdays or friends out to dinner. The joy was how much could I consume? And today, the joy is filling my heart with love and understanding and not even from people that I know, strangers on the street. It makes me open to receive their kindness and love and for me to bring it out and share with a smile or a helpful hand. And I was never like that. And for today, I recently was at a birthday party and I have a very, very large Italian family. And I brought my own food, and it was time to sing. And my brother yells, Carmela, you better leave the room. And I was at the sink cleaning up a little, and I turned around and I said, Why, Joe? He said, Look at this. Isn't this tempting for you? And I said, Oh, it looks lovely. But no, thank you. I don't want any of it. And I did not. I truly did not want it, and that is the gift I get every day, provided I work these steps and I do not rest on my laurels. 
And for that I am grateful, and I'm grateful for all the love and joy that I am receiving. Thank you so much, and have a beautiful day. Perfect timing, Carmela. Okay, so um, thank you to everyone who shared <clears throat> and for putting up with my voice. Not that you had a choice. Glad you're here. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So the share ID for today, Thursday, September 26, 13447. 13447. So we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Kelly. Lauren N. from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit yourself to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Live freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.